0: We know it's not joyful when you're going through the chastisement of discipline of God. Because later on, when you look at the providence of God, sometimes those things that were bad were really good because God worked those things together for good. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore, the minister here at the Church of Christ Atlanta Airport area where we speak what the Bible speaks and we're silent what the Bible is silent. Our worship service begins at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Please tune in, WATC 57, at 4 p.m. every Sunday. Come be with us and we will do you good. It's our meter item. Between us and God, First Timothy chapter two, verse number five. We will sin, but we can repent of our sins. So forgiveness, forgiving others, must be immediately, whether or not a person asks for it. My sister asked me years ago, "Well, brother Moore, they have not come to me to ask for forgiveness, so therefore I would not forgive them." Well, Jesus. On the cross, he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Trust, that's the difference between forgiveness and trust. See, trust, on the other hand, has to do with future behavior, and it will likely take time to build or to rebuild. I can forgive you immediately, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to allow you to keep doing certain things to me, or I'm going to trust you with this or that. But I can forgive you immediately. But that trust has to be built. You see the distinction there? So I must forgive and mean it. Now, yeah, I I mean it. But yet it doesn't mean that I need to trust you like I did at one point. If someone hurts you repeatedly, you are commanded by God to forgive them instantly, but you are not expected to trust them immediately, and you are not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. Remember we said in abusive relationships, sometimes the person allows them to just keep on, keep on hurting them. You don't have to live like that. Forgiveness is it, wiping things under the rug. It isn't. It is not wiping things under the rug and saying that what that person did or said was okay. Forgiveness is also not necessarily forgetting what happened. You know, you remember what happened. Depending on the situation, it may require time of healing. Sometimes it just takes a time of healing. You hurt but you don't let that continue to embrace your heart because you know in order for God to forgive you you must forgive others but if you had if you hold on to the transgression like a like, like, okay, this is a card I'm holding on to. I, I'm going to use this when I get ready. Some, many times in marriage, people do that. They, they say, okay, I'm going to use this when I get ready. Remember when you, hold oh, it, I thought you forgave me for that. In Hebrews chapter 8, remember, the Bible says when, when he forg- God, the Lord forgives you, he remembered it no more. Sometimes people hold on to that. That means you did not really forgive them, you did not mean it you can be sure that forgiveness is still present. Unforgiveness, rather, is still present when you do that. This goes against Jesus' command to forgive seven times seven, endlessly. After all, remember that God has forgiven you more times than you ever, That you ever have the opportunity to forgive anyone else. If you think you are forgiven. Someone too much, just think about how many times God has forgiven you. Here's the third point you'll see on your sheet, the third point. Let's go back uh, to uh, verse number 23 in Luke chapter, verse number 34 in Luke chapter um, 23, verse number 34. Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what to do, and that's really we read Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12 through 15 upon the point number 2, what forgiveness isn't. This is what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12. Put on literally means to dress oneself with clothes. Here it means it means to take on or uh, assume certain virtues and qualities. He said vows of mercy, meaning heartfelt, Bows of mercy. We ought to have a heartfelt, sincere, real, genuine form of mercy for people. In verse number 12, in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, and of of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against it, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And here's the glue in verse number 14. And above all things, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 14, and above all these things, put on charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. The greatest commandment It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37, following. Love God all the heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, with this kind of love, it brings about the glue that brings about forgiveness. We have to show love one to another no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what people do to us. Third point, how to forgive. I write this from a hard time to forgive at 10 years old. I grew up in a civil rights movement. I grew up in a school, of course, from the ninth to 11th grade. It was only 12 of us. Predominantly white school, only 12 of us. And I would walk down the hall sometimes and I would hear people saying things behind me waiting for me to turn around and fight. But I knew I had to keep marching forward. Number one, it was only me and there's no way I could fight and beat up all those people. Amen? And number two, I knew who I was and whose I was. No matter what they said about me. But my younger sister here now probably don't remember this. I was 10 years old. And back then, there was a Shaft Moore, same name as my name, Shaft Moore. Those in my hometown remember Shaft Moore. He wasn't a good Shaft, if you will, from my standpoint. Back then, we didn't have workman's comp. And so if you were out of work, you just didn't get paid. My father, working in the granite industry, lifting stones, he got down in his back and he had to have back surgery. I was 10 years old. And he missed a few car payments. And back then, they didn't just send a repossession man out to repossess your car. Do you not know? The sheriff would come out. And I don't know why that would be, but the sheriff would come out and he would repossess your car. So when the sheriff came out, I'll never forget this. 10 years old, I'm standing in the door with my mom while my father approached the sheriff to give him the key. And my sheriff hit him and knocked him down uh, to the ground. My mom's standing in the door. She said, no, don't hit my husband, and she runs out and they knocked her down also. Can you imagine the resentment that that was a 10-year-old child seeing all of that? It was so unfair back then. And here are coming to repossess a car, but they wanted to beat them up first. I'll never forget it, and what happened was we had to go down to my grandparents' house, which lived about five miles away, because they kept them in jail overnight. And jails were not like they are now. And I said to myself as a young boy, 10 years old, I won't forgive him, and now I'm going to kill him. <laughs> 10 years old, right? And my parents came home the next day and it was business as usual, we just kept living. But it, it, it stayed in my mind all those years that I'm going to get Sheriff Moore. I'm going to get him because he's mistreated my mom and dad. When I obeyed the gospel, 13 years later, Jesus forgave me for everything that I had done. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17, the Bible says, we've become a new creature in Christ, and, and God forgave me. And do you not know, I thought back, I said, now I can forgive Sheriff Moore because God has forgiven me. Some of you have stories like that to tell. I know you do, but it doesn't matter what the degree it is. It could be on a smaller scale. But yet, still, you must learn how to forgive people in spite of everything. It was the Apostle Paul in in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Remember what he says in verse number 21 and following. He says, not only was I shipwrecked and I was beaten. he, He said, but not only that, I had to deal with the brethren. Many years throughout my ministry, I had to deal with the brethren. Brethren did not care about you. They treat you any kind of way. You have to learn to forgive them immediately in order for God to forgive us. So how? How to forgive is is the next point I'm making. Number three, how to forgive. How then do we achieve this letting go, which can feel like an impossible task to let go? Even if we desire it, our emotions can rise up at the least expected time and overwhelm us with anger and pain if you keep letting it run through your mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul gives us, he gives us an example here how to forgive. How do you forgive? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and that search fornication as is not much as name among the Gentiles that one shall have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as after in the body, be present in the spirit." This young man had his father's wife. Sometimes, well, maybe it was his stepmother. Leviticus tell us, even if your stepmother is sin. Paul says, I want you to notice what he says here. Look at verse number 11. Paul says, Now, in order to straighten this out, in order to deal with this, he says, But now I have written unto you, first Corinthians 5, verse number 11, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or a covetous, an adulterer, a, idolatry, or, a relter, or a drunker, or an extortioner, which search and one, no one not to eat with. In other words, until this person repents, don't even eat with them. And you know how some people are. Well, I know the brothers and sisters down at the church today, they, they say they don't eat with you, but you know, you and I are buddies. In order to save that person, you need to obey what God has told us to do. Until that person repents. But see, when a person repents, What Paul is going to show us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, listen to what he says in verse number 6. Sufficient to search a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. In other words, it was sufficient for you not to eat with him, and then this man has repented. And then Paul is going to show us that, Barbara, that we're going to have to forgive people no matter what they have done to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we have the hardest time forgiving one another, and we serve the same God. We read the same Bible, but we have uh, that. Just uh, that's just me. Once you miss, once you uh, cross me three times, that's it. <laughs> Lord help us. In California, I've been one of the sister ministers there in California, in Seaside, California, when I was stationed there. These two sisters, they, they got along so good for 20 years. I mean, just, they ate over each other's house. I, they invited, my family and I over there, I ate at both houses. I mean, wonderful the cooks. They was like, not only sisters in Christ, but blood sisters, and they had a disagreement. And they stopped speaking to one another, one said on one side of the church, the other side of the church. And I don't know did they straighten it out or not, because one move here to North Carolina, I don't know if they out or not, before they died. That's a sad commentary. Did not forgive one another, whatever it was. Paul said, if I, you have an altar among your brother, you know, leave your gift at the altar and make it right with your brother's sister. Listen to what Paul says. He says in verse number eight, in verse number seven, so that contrary, ye ought relative, to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one shall be swallowed up with overcome with sorrow. You don't want that person to be overcome with sorrow. See, Satan can reverse that thing on you. <laughs> Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. My brother, anyone get overtaken in the fall. Ye which are spiritual, hopefully that is a spiritual person. Ye which are spiritual, restore such to one in spirit of meekness, concealing thyself that you also be tempted. Make sure you go to that person that young man has his father's wife. He repents of it. He comes back and be a monster, brethren. Don't look at him and cross out it. Don't put him on probation, probation. (laughs) You forgive him immediately. And whether he go back and do it again, that's between him and God. In verse number eight, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number eight, wherefore I beseech you, I beg you, that ye would confirm your love toward him. Confirm your love. Some people that have done us wrong. We need to confirm our love toward them. Well, Sister Walker, since that person have done you wrong, you need to start calling them like you used to call them. You need to treat them like you treated them before they did you wrong. Listen to what he says. Confirm your love toward him. For to this end also ye did I write, that I might know that the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things, to whom ye, here goes, verse 10 Second 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 10, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sake, forgave it I in the person of Christ, in the sight of Christ. God is looking at everything we do. And he knows our hearts. And this, this is the, the passage of Scripture, verse number 11, that we need to mark if you, want, you need to mark this in your Bible. He says, Why, Paul? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan can turn it around. Satan can have your good to be evil spoken of. If you hold that against that person, so, how to forgive, point number three, how to forgive. As you look at point number three, the young man that had his father's wife, we need to show love toward that person. Here are eight steps I wanna give you. Point number point number four, these are steps. On point number four, step to true forgiveness. Here's eight steps to true forgiveness. Number one, Acknowledge the pain. We must realize that this has hurt us. Acknowledge the pain. You know what some people would say? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. But yet you're not. Be honest with yourself. Acknowledge the pain. Working through the pain can only happen once you admit you've been hurt. You you have admit that you've been hurt the emotions and all that goes down, it would cut the process of forgiveness if you admit that you have been hurt. Number two, the second one, of course, is imagine being on the other side. Sometimes we we'll to put ourselves in other people's shoes, don't we? Imagine being on the other side. In Matthew chapter seven, verse number 12, Think about a time when you had had to ask for forgiveness. When you have had to ask for forgiveness, how did it make you feel? When you have wronged another person and did they extend forgiveness towards you or did they withhold it from you? The Bible directs us to do to others what we would have them to do to us in Matthew chapter seven, verse number 12. And then, of course, the next one, remember God's forgiveness. Remember God's forgiveness. Reminding ourselves to, of others of the debt that God forgave us in Christ when we uh, certainly didn't deserve it. We did not deserve forgiveness. None of us did, but he gave it to us anyway. And this has helped us to forgive others. If we have been forgiven so much, how then can we hold on to grievances committed against us? As a person may no longer be living, I mentioned earlier, as a person no longer be living, some, some people are still holding grudges against people that have left this world. They did this to me. You need to let it go. That person does not exist anymore. You can still forgive someone without that forgiveness being accepted. In other words, they have left this world. They can't accept it anyway. You can still forgive them. Here's the fourth one. Reflect on our biblical command. In Matthew chapter 6, you know we see what the Bible says, forgive others I forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a biblical command. Look at the fifth one. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the hurt. The devil is an expert at getting a foothold when we have made a choice to forgive, he's an expert. But the womb is still sensitive. Don't allow yourself to replay the offenses over and over again in your head. Stop that movie from rolling. Don't say likes, action, camera. No, stop that movie. <laughs> stop that movie from rolling. Let me give you this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And, and this is going to help us, hopefully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26 to 27. You'll see this on your sheet. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That should be what every person should do in their lives. That's what we do in marriage, isn't it? You may have a disagreement. Rhonda, you may have a disagreement. But you don't want the son to go down on your wrath. You don't want the son to go down where both husband and wife do not say, forgive me, or let's make up. You don't want to go to bed like that. You don't want to wake up like that. We need to do it immediately. Look at verse number 27, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 27. Neither give place to the devil. I don't want to give the devil place. The devil has been too active in my life anyway. I don't want to give him any more action. Don't give him place. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11? We know his devices. We're not ignorant of his device or how he operates. He operates in our families. Your greatest foe would be them of your own household. I mentioned in in our devotional how Luna and I, you know, we go by every six months to her hometown, Arkansas. Thank you so much for tuning in with us as you have listened to the message of the hour in order to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Mark 16, 15, and 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be down. And so one must hear the word. In Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once you hear the word, you must believe the word. Once you believe the word, you must repent of your sin. Luke thirteen three. Jesus says, Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And once you repent, you confess Christ, the sweetest name on martyr tongue. Then after that, you're buried with him in baptism, in a watery grave of baptism. You become, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, a new creature, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. And so we encourage you to come be with us as we teach you the word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You become a member of the Church of Christ, the one that Christ died for. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18. God bless you all. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore from the Church of Christ at Atlanta Airport. We're located about three miles from the Atlanta airport, the busiest airport in the world. We're just an eight minute drive. We have many people that travel through the airport and they come to worship with us. We speak what the Bible speaks and we're silent what the Bible is silent. And so we invite you to come. We also invite you to tune in to our television program every Sunday at 4 p.m. W.A.T.C 57 television. We also invite you to visit our Facebook Church of Christ at Atlanta, Airport area. Also, you can go to YouTube, speakingthegospel.tv, and hear many more of the sermons from the Word of God that I have spoken throughout the last months and the last years. to worship and lead to serve. Many times today, we're not able to worship in a building The Bible tells us that we are to worship on the first day of the week. And as you know, we can worship God everywhere and anywhere. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter three, verses number one and following, as Moses approached the burning bush that was burning, but did not burn up. God tells him, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. And that's why we can worship anywhere. The church is not the building. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, that the kingdom of God lives within us. So when we say we're coming to church, we're really coming to worship. This is why we need to realize God does not dwell in an empty church building. He's all over. He's everywhere. And those that worship him in John 4, 24 must worship him in spirit and truth.